Baseball is on hiatus, but fantasy baseball has continued to go on with its draft season. We'll talk about tout wars and much more. Like death and taxes, Dodgers get a Dodger. I have not had uh, three go-throughs yet. It works great in a fantasy I'm just glad I am not at the dentist. Fantasy baseball in 15 on The Athletic. Welcome to Fantasy Baseball in 15 for Monday, March 16th. Al Melker here with Derek Van Riper. And uh, DVR, we just had Tout Wars. Uh, we, we had our mixed uh, mixed auction. And uh, this was not the auction that uh, you know either of us obviously were expecting. A lot's happened, really, uh, since we've last recorded a show. Um, I flew out to New York to participate in Tout Wars. And half an hour before my plane landed... Uh, an email went out saying that the live Tout Wars events were canceled. So um, I did the auction from my dad's apartment. Yeah, you were already there. So at that point, at least you got to spend time with your dad. And uh, I mean, things travel-wise for quite some time are probably going to be very different around America and, and throughout the world. So uh, at least the trip wasn't for for nothing uh, by by. A, a wide, wide stretch. I mean, you got a lot, a lot in there, but it was strange to do this particular auction online because the the bright lights of New York, it's, it's the feel, right? Like Tout Wars has this feel to it because it's in Midtown Manhattan. It's always busy there all the time. Uh, that late spring kind of fresh air that you actually can get in New York is always kind of nice too. It's usually a little warmer there than it is here in Wisconsin. And it's a trip I look forward to every year because we do so many things together uh, aside from the auctions, we have an annual party at Foley's uh, right by the Empire State Building. It's a nice baseball bar, Irish bar. Uh, you know, not doing that, not going out to Virgil's for barbecue, which you know for years uh, our friend the late Lar Michaels would get a gathering on Sunday afternoon and invite everybody who wanted to go to have barbecue and to have some of their famous wings. Um, and, and it's all really about the camaraderie, right? It's just one of these things that causes us to gather as an industry. Um, so to not have that was certainly strange, but at the same time, having it online uh, at least was uh, a nice break this weekend from you know w- what looks like a, a long window of time where many of us are going to be spending a lot more time at home. Yeah, absolutely. And now that I have returned uh, from New York area, I'm uh, I'll be at home and uh, be able to uh, focus on these podcasts and uh, on my 2019 replay league and, uh, you know, basically whatever I can do to uh, pass the time in addition to, uh, you know, continuing to write, uh, write draft prep material for whenever, uh, you know, drafts are, are going to happen. And obviously this is uh, a very small matter uh, compared to everything that's going on in the world right now. So I hope that everybody out there is well um, and, uh you know we're we're playing this by ear uh you know just like uh, just like everybody else is uh, just trying to to figure it out and uh, on that note DVR um i think that the decision to go ahead with the uh auctions this weekend was a little bit controversial just based on some feedback that i saw on twitter there there certainly were supporters of the idea but also people who were were frankly critical of it and thought that we should have, you know, withheld uh, doing the auctions until we at least had a sense of when the season might start back up again. 
Did you have any feeling for that? I mean, there are also people who, and I would include myself in this, people who would have been fine with either decision. Um, did you feel like, uh, you know, there there is maybe a better approach to doing it? And and I think you know, also question two is, did this change anything in terms of your prep and your approach on Saturday? I was fine with any decision the board made. I mean, I think the fast moving nature of the pandemic itself is part of the reason why things were altered at the last minute, right? I mean, things yeah. just a couple of weeks ago, many of us were in Florida for first pitch Florida and the labor auctions. And at that time, for a lot of us, it was okay, we'll see in a couple of weeks in New York. And we knew this was happening, but we didn't realize how bad it was going to get. Um, I thought it made more sense to keep things rolling than to postpone them for this particular league, in part because a lot of us are in several leagues anyway. I think it's really difficult to map out the schedules for four different leagues with so many participants. I mean, we're talking about, I think, 40, 50 some participants who all will have other things going on and, and in some capacity in the weeks ahead. So I think to put that into question was probably going to cause a lot of logistical headaches. And look, we're all going to be making a lot of changes in the next several weeks, maybe even the next few months. That's just the way life's going to be. Um, yeah. But I think it made sense to, in this case, go ahead and push through. I think for home leagues out there, if you're set up in a way where you can pretty easily move the date back, it's easier to find the common ground. You know, Most people in your league may only play in that one league or they only play in two or three leagues. Push it back closer to the start of the season just because you get the benefit of, of more information about everything. The length of the season, uh, when the season actually begins, you know, where players are at in their recovery from various ailments. Um, and there's, there's a lot of implications to what will likely be a significantly delayed start to the season. I'm sure we're going to hash those out in, in great detail over this extra time that we have. Uh, but I think it made sense given this type of event and the number of people involved to go ahead with it over the weekend. Yeah. And I absolutely agree with all of that in terms of the logistical concerns that this was the, this was, um, you know, certainly a, a, a good thing to do. And even if we put those things aside, and I think those things really have to be first and foremost, but if we do put that aside and we think about the, you know, well, how does the, you know, the tout wars, auctions and drafts, you know, serve the the fantasy community. You know, I just think a bit about the variety of industry events that we have, um, you know, starting with the ones that we had way back in October in the Arizona Fall League, uh, the um, uh, first pitch Arizona that Baseball HQ uh, puts on every year. And you and I both participated in, in drafts uh, during that event. And obviously we were a long, long way, not as far as we turn out to be, but a long, long way from opening day, um, you know, for that event, uh, I have a whole bunch of slow drafts in progress. So there's various, you know, starting times for, for all these things. And each one tells us something a little bit different and each one structures competition differently. So I think that it's valid to have a competition where, you have less information and just as valid to have one where you have a, a, a lot more information. They're just, to me, different types of competitions. Yeah, we're all in the same boat. And I, I think that's a really good point. I mean, we started drafting the draft and hold format leagues in October. And 
that's more than six months before the season begins in some cases. So I can understand an argument about how the changing parameters of the season is, you know, making some alterations to the values of players. Again, like we're all dealing with the same information at the same time. So the playing field is level like the, the same thing that you don't know regarding the timing is the same thing I don't know so right I think it's perfectly fine if you want to have your draft now while you have this downtime go for it I mean I, there's there's nothing wrong with that yeah I absolutely agree and if you want to wait you know nothing wrong with that either did you know that 75% of us are walking around everyday life chronically dehydrated we are suffering needlessly from frequent headaches energy slumps and poor focus it doesn't have to be this way. Hydrant creates flavored electrolyte packets you mix directly into your water to make hydrating your body easy and delicious. Each rapid hydration mix has the four essential electrolytes that your body needs. Sodium, potassium, magnesium, and zinc help you hydrate quickly and stay hydrated all day. And Hydrant is backed by research. The formula was developed by Oxford scientists to provide perfectly balanced, efficient hydration. There's no synthetic colors and no artificial sweeteners. The formula is vegan and you can choose between three different flavors or a variety pack. Hydrant starts at just a buck a packet for a 30-day supply. You can save even more with a monthly subscription. And for 25% off your first order, go to drinkhydrant.com and enter promo code BASEBALL at checkout. That's drinkhydrant.com and enter promo code BASEBALL for 25% off your first order. Let's get uh, to the auction that did happen uh, just this past Saturday that you and I both participated in, the uh, Tout Wars mixed auction, and was very odd not to be sitting, you know, by you and you know usually Jeff Zimmerman's in my my proximity, and uh, you know so that was a little weird. Um, and I'll just be honest from the get go here that I think you know the circumstances of this made it a very different thing for me. Uh, I think because, you know, we don't know when the season's going to start. There's not that same, at least for me, DVR kind of sense of, of excitement of the, the season is just around the corner that I, I felt like I wasn't as sharp for this. I'm just going to be honest. Um, and, and frankly, just stressed out, uh, (laughs) because of, uh, the pandemic and being with my 91 year old father and being concerned about him. Um, you know, it was a very different set of circumstances. Uh, but you know, that said, I, I do, I want to talk about our respective rosters and, uh, you know, since I'm not really liking mine that much, let's start with yours. <laughs> <laughs> um, and you know, actually there were some things about yours, you know, that, that kind of surprised me too. Uh, so compared to me, I think you took much more of a spread the wealth approach. And I think the, it, the, the thing that maybe surprised me a little is that, a few of your sort of more key members of of the roster are ones that have a lot of a lot of variability. So you got Corey Seager, um, Andrew McCutcheon, and of course he actually you got you know a few guys that the the start date will really make a difference uh, in terms of perhaps their value. James Paxton, same same deal there. Uh, you also got both uh, Forrest Whitley and Kyle Tucker, and I know you know you you like to get Tucker wherever you can, or at least that's what I perceive. But you know, just a number of players, not all of them expensive, but some of them you know cost you a bit 
who have come in with a great bit of variability, even if we knew when opening day was, and especially now that we don't, perhaps even more variability there. So what was your approach and, and what about it might have changed because of the circumstances? I think what I've opened my mind to is that with the delayed the start to the season, we have some players coming back from injuries. Um, Byron Buxton, who I bought at $9, is coming back from shoulder surgery. Yep. You know, His activity was just starting to pick up as things shut down. He now has more time for that shoulder to heal, for him to sort of progress through probably individual workouts at home. But nevertheless, time heals something like that, right? And I think when you look at Buxton and, and James Paxton, who I bought for 13, um, those guys, Andrew McCutcheon at five, they all kind of needed more time to get ready for the season. This isn't the way that anybody would have wanted that to happen. Uh, but I guess I just felt a little more optimistic about some of those injuries in particular, because in Paxton's case, it wasn't a shoulder or an elbow. Uh, in Buxton's case, you know, it wasn't something with his legs. So much of his value comes from his speed. Um, and then with uh, Andrew McCutcheon, you know, it's an ACL tear, which is a, a grueling injury to come back from. But it's one of those major injuries that has a pretty high success rate. And I think the core skills he brings to the table are, are generally really safe. So it did kind of push me in the direction of, of injured players in those circumstances. And it made me willing to take one extra shot. Normally, I'm going to have one prospect pitcher uh, in the bottom of my roster in a league like this, I ended up with two with Whitley and Gore because I think with the potential for a significantly shortened season, the young, high-ceiling pitchers who would have a workload restriction are going to have a chance to pitch a number of innings that's much closer to some of their veteran counterparts. Um, so I think that's going to leave teams with this tough decision to make eventually as to you know whether or not they want, they want to be more aggressive. And I think in a lot of cases, especially for a team like San Diego, uh, as they try to make a playoff run, I think they are going to be a little bit more aggressive with someone like Mackenzie Gore. Yeah, and you and I really did, did diverge in terms of how to deal with this level of uncertainty because for the most part, I didn't really bid actively on the injured players because... I didn't want to fall into what to me felt like a trap of assuming they would have more value and maybe overbidding in the case of a, a Mackenzie Gore or a Forrest Whitley. I didn't want to make the assumption that you made uh, because maybe, you know, with a shorter season, maybe they would wind up having less innings as they, maybe the organization wants to, you know, kind of ramp them up in AAA. I don't know. It's just a lack of information. And so I, I went very conservative uh, in that regard. So it's you know interesting to see that you went you know pretty much completely the other way. Uh, how how do you feel about your auction overall? I felt really good about it walking away from the table, or actually literally my desk last night, as opposed <laughs> to uh, um, you know getting up from the actual auction table that we normally use. But uh, with with Trey Turner as my kind of core foundation along with Nolan Arenado both $41 players and then Nelson Cruz who got thrown out really early at 26 I spent a lot of money in the first 20 minutes of the auction which has happened many times before I'm, I'm certainly comfortable doing that but I had a good power base a good run production base a, a nice source of steals and I think where stars and scrubs as people call it gets really tricky is finding that balance where you don't buy one too many players uh, that are in that kind of 15 to $20 range because it's really tempting. There's going to be some value in there, some players you really like. And if you push the button one too many times, maybe you're price enforcing, maybe you're just really interested in that player and not sure what to do. 
it can leave you with maybe a dozen $1 players. And I think that might be going a little bit too far. Uh, in this case, I managed to keep it to just six $1 players, which when you consider that I'd spent 180 out of my 260 budget in the first hour or so, um, that ended up being a little more balanced even than I would have expected. Mm-hmm. I thought I was going to be a little further down the path of $1 players based on how things started. Yeah, well, I feel like with that uh, analysis, you could have been subtweeting me a little bit <laughs> because I did go stars and scrubs. And that's one of my, I don't know if I want to say regrets, but frustrations certainly uh, would would fit uh, in terms of not having quite enough money left over in the end game and, and having too many $1 players. But uh, I want to reserve that discussion for Wednesday because we can use my roster as really uh, a case study in where's the best place to draw that line? Or maybe where could I have drawn it differently? Who should I not have bid an extra dollar on? Who should I have laid off? So let's put those uh, questions uh, in, in the hopper uh, for uh, for Wednesday's show. I also want to talk about the uh, reserve rounds uh, a little bit too, but uh, we'll save that for later as well. And uh, on that note, then we'll just uh, wrap up for now this discussion of the Tout Wars auction here on Fantasy Baseball in 15. If you're not already a subscriber to The Athletic, you can get 40% off a subscription at theathletic.com slash baseball in 15. Everything that we do is included with the subscription. And if you're enjoying this podcast on a platform that allows you to leave a rating and a review, we would certainly appreciate it if you did take the time to do that. So for Derek Van Riper, I'm Al Melkier. We will be back with you on Tuesday and everybody please be well. 